Welcome to But Why Though, the podcast, a roundtable conversation about all things pop culture with guests from around the But Why Though writing community. I'm your host, Alex, joined this week by Catherine. Oh, hi. And Kate. Hi. Who's also super, a Catherine. Yeah, super <laughs> not confusing at all. Very straightforward. Uh, even more straightforward than that is our topic this week. We're going to be reviewing reviews. Are they like good? Are they useful? Um, can anyone define what a seven is? I think that that's actually like a very specific tipping point, point of contention, uh, and very worth discussing. Um, but before we get into that, we do have some news that we want to go over. Um, and if, if you know that we record kind of a little bit in advance, you probably know all of our news is going to be about streaming. Um, what do you guys want to get into first? Uh, let's talk Netflix first, because I think it's the one that I'm most frustrated with. It's so, okay, Why? so Netflix, a while ago, right? They floated this idea of like, we're going to start cracking down on password sharing. Uh, There'll be a fee and you can add another house to your streaming service, you know, whatever. Um, and they test drove it in other countries, got huge backlash, lost viewers. Um, and then they were like, they accidentally launched it in the U.S., I think, is what they said. And then they rolled it, like they, or they accidentally announced it, and then they rolled it back. And then this week, they announced it, and it was sort of an effective immediately. Yep. So, yeah, how do you guys feel about this? And it, it's to add an extra house, it's $8, it's which is roughly the cost of a basic plan. Well, hold up. So the, the, the base is $15.99, am I right? Mm-hmm. That's, Plus no, the, ba- that's the That's the two... The two screen plan. Yeah, two um, screen the base plan. plan is ten dollars, and you can't have that and add a house to it. Wait, what? Uh, you can, yeah, you can only add a house on the fifteen and twenty dollar tier. I think. Why? <laughs> Money. Why? Oh my god, this is. That's... Well, wait. So why would they do that? If like, what are the other streaming services doing? Like, how are they competing? Like, they have to know <laughs> by doing that they're kind of like putting themselves in a hole or something, right? It, well, exactly. Right? Nobody, nobody else, to my knowledge, it, like other people are kind of trying to discourage password sharing, mm-hmm. but nobody is straight up charging you to do it. And they're not charging you basically the cost of another plan. Yeah. I think, I think that's like the big issue is just that like, when you look at it within the larger landscape, like I think it like, what are other people doing? I think the problem here is Netflix is about to set a precedent and if they don't crater in views like if this does not make them get people buy their own subscriptions or gets people to like pay the price that is the only way it's going to stop anybody else from doing it because the other streamers Mm -hmm. have been discouraging password sharing and they have obviously always been selling screens and so it is essentially like when you like step back and look at it Twitter, everybody said it was dumb that you could pay to be verified. Instagram did it and has had, like, pretty much no issue. So it's like they're resetting what we expect from accounts, which Mm -hmm. is so dumb because we're already paying for an extra screen. Like, if you share your Netflix password, you're paying for another screen. And you if you share it with multiple people, you're paying for more screens. Like I oh, may yeah. or may not do that and have a friend just pay for the price of the additional screen yearly. And exactly. It, it's just counterintuitive. And I think the bigger issue, if you move away password sharing, how this interrupts just traveling. Like I'm about to oh, be yeah. traveling so much this next month and I can't watch Netflix anywhere. And if I remember yeah. right, you have to check in at home on a device once a month to continue using it, which is like, that's cool until your kid goes away to college yeah. and they're not back once a month. That feels um, eerily restricting. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel discomforted. Yes. <laughs> and that's, the Netflix is supposed to be comforting me. It's not anymore. Yeah. And well, it's so that's the chill. other thing is so they, no. they, <laughs> they severely overcharged, which is also not chill. Like, I feel like to add it because it's what $5 to go from the base plan to the two screen mm-hmm. plan, right? Okay. So adding another house, why is that going up another $8? Why not go up? If it, if it was three or $4, I feel like I would have probably not even thought twice about it. Cause I, I do have my account shared with my brother and his family. Yeah. Um, and it's like, cause it's like, well, we pay for two screens, but 99% of the time, if somebody's watching Netflix in my house, we are together. Yeah. You know, we're not like in different rooms watching different things. Uh, but like, I don't know, like eight, I mean, if my brother wants to spend $8 instead of 10 to just stay on my Netflix plan, like more power to him. But I do feel like it's just, they so overshot the price point on this. Yeah. 
especially for scenarios like your kid going to college or having split custody of your children. Um, Is there any situation where it it would be okay if like the conditions were reworked for you guys or just be a straight like, no, I would rather just have them increase the price for additional screens. Like if you're, if you, if you're trying to be, I mean, you're already paying extra for them. Yeah. Like that's like bake it into that. Or say every, like, we have no extra screen plan. You have unlimited screens, but you have to pay for each, like... Paper house, yeah. Something like that. And One of the costs has to go away for me to even be, like, mildly okay with it. Mm -hmm. But I think the other thing that sucks is, like, I was talking to my husband, which everybody knows. I don't know why I say that. Everybody knows Matt. He, we were talking about how we would get rid of Netflix because the money doesn't justify with like the very small amount of content that they're coming out with. And also just like we know the majority of their shows have now stopped production because of the writer's strike. Like there is no real reason right now, except for the fact that I am a critic and I have to pay for my Netflix account to, in order to get screeners to watch. Mm. And they are the only streaming platform that does that. Yeah, that's kind of so, garbage. Yeah, it's really bad. So we're stuck and we have to give whatever the CEO's name of Netflix money. Mr. Netflix. Yeah, and I, I, I think the other thing for me, um, and Catherine, I'm, I'm very curious your opinion on this like in general, but the, the thing for me is also that I feel like Netflix's quality has been waning for years. So between that and the writer's strike and the, their history of price increases more than like any other streaming service, I feel like to just throw another one on there is like it, their business model. And I think a lot of streaming services is to not be noticed, to be that monthly charge that people don't think about. And they, for whatever reason, Netflix keeps calling attention to themselves. And I feel like that's how you end up losing subscribers is you remind them that they're paying for this monthly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, clearly I feel like they're doing it for a reason. Like if they were kind of, if they did think that, like that they were just, like you would just forget about because it, it was so cheap. Like went back in the day, like mm-hmm. it was like ten bucks for something, yeah. five bucks. Oh yeah, yeah. And the content was way better. And now it's just not anymore. I don't know. I feel like they're doing it obviously just to kind of like maybe set a tone for all other streaming services. Because if mm-hmm. they can probably get away with it, then other people are going to feel more inclined to do it. Oh well, yeah, right. Um, mm-hmm. Even if they know that they are not producing the content that they were before no. at a, a much better price. Right? Well, and they're also throwing stupid amounts of money at that content. I feel like it's yeah. kind of a, a, a pet peeve of Matt's that Netflix is, you know, constantly blowing tens of millions of dollars per episode on a show. And it's like, no one said you had to do that. Like you, you chose to make it that expensive and then realize that you didn't have the money for it and you're going to go in the red. And then you just turn around and like raise rates and then cancel that show before the first season is even over. And then people stop watching it and you're like, see, we were right. No one watches this. And it's like, yeah. because you killed it. Don't worry. You know. I'm sure Disney will be right behind them. <laughs> I still can't believe they're trying to shelve like Willow that just came yeah. out. Uh, on the other topic of streaming services, there is another one. Yeah. Max now. Um, formerly HBO Max. Yeah. Anytime somebody says Max, I think they're talking about a human. Mm-hmm. or a goofy movie yeah <laughs> like somebody we were talking to was like did you see what max did they're not even crediting creators and i was like what are you what who 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 is who max you? yeah yeah that's not going to register in my although yeah. that, that is another that is a shady thing like on top of the merger that is a shady thing they did yes or rather they're not crediting directors and writers they're saying they are all just creators creators yeah which is Mm. i mean i'm gonna blame early 2010s youtube for the whole like content Content creator creator. terminology yeah Mm. because that's what this is now is there and it's sort of funny because it feels like they're going no mask about the fact that this is about consumption not art to be like yeah it's just creators who created content for us and you're going to consume that content instead of like they directed a piece of art for you um also yeah kind of depressing dumbest thing about this about max launching is that it makes you download a new app they didn't just rebrand an existing app oh yeah they all their emails were like in some instances the app will just update in place here's the weird thing though i downloaded it and it did pull over my data from hbo max and just like log me in automatically well that's good and i was like that's cool but also then why did you not just update the hbo max like app yeah i don't know i don't have too much to say about it just that like i 
I don't actually watch HBO Max original anything. I watch mm -hmm. HBO proper. Like, I watch HBO shows, which would be, yeah. uh, like, I don't watch anything made for that streaming service. I don't know, Catherine, do, do you watch I, I, any? I was not, I haven't, I was never blessed with HBO subscription. I was just getting passed along by, like, you know, password <laughs> sharing, stuff like that. <laughs> so I was doing that. It's So, I, yeah, I missed out on that, the whole, like, I guess, time of good shows. But if I did, it was, yeah. like, the proper stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. Has Netflix gone back and deleted that love is sharing a password tweet yet? I don't know. I feel like they have to. They they need to because people keep dragging it out because it's like, hey, remember how you built your user base on this? And then you realize that perpetual growth is unsustainable. And so now you're trying to nickel and dime us everywhere. Which is just the largest problem with all of this. It's the largest problem with Max. It's the largest problem with Disney deleting everything. It's the largest problem with Netflix doing this really, really stupid password mm -hmm. surcharge. Because there is no way to exponentially grow. And even though these companies are making obscene amounts of money, it is not more obscene than what it was the mm -hmm. last time. Therefore, they are quote-unquote failing, and they need to premiumize everything, and it, it mm -hmm. which is where you take something and you, add, you tack something on at a premium so that you get people to pay more for the thing that they were already paying for by taking away something else. And yeah. it is, this is just the start of it. We've seen it happen mm -hmm. in video games extensively. Um, with a lot oh, of yeah. like, the season pass DLC, a lot of the season pass pieces, DLCs, just the entire structure of broken games releasing or even like the free to plays. But it, I feel like when Netflix announces a battle pass, I'm just going to burn my oh, own God. house down. <laughs> I feel so old, too. I'm like, oh, my it's God. It's coming. Remember that time when? <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. Moving on, though, time for the, the main event to talk about reviews. All credit to Charles, who could not be here today. Um, with Tears of the Kingdom having come out, he kind of noticed this trend of, like, a lot of people throwing around 10s and then a lot of, like, ostracizing people who gave lower scores. And it just creates this weird, um, this weird question about, like, well, what are these reviews even trying to accomplish? What do these numbers mean, if anything? Um, and so we thought that that would be a good episode or Charles did. And I completely agree. So um, opening thoughts, anything that you want to just get to right from jump. I have a lot of words on this because I set it off, Kate. <laughs> it's my job. Reviewing is my job. So I should say I like reviews. Reviews are important. And I think to a certain extent, reviews are important, even though they are subjective. If, a person reading or watching is going to make their decision on whether to spend money on something. I think that is mm -hmm. what is extremely like, that is what I still use reviews for. Um, I think that op-eds are probably, probably have more weight now. Um, and I think like just for games specifically, streaming has just killed reviewing in a way that I don't think mm -hmm. the industry has dealt with yet. But the hard thing is, is half of me likes scores because if it was good, was it like a seven good or was it a 10 good? Like just saying good doesn't tell you. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, there were some things I watched that I do not want to score bad or good or give anything. And a lot of that is usually stuff that has like really tough subject matter or is technically good, but something I personally hate. And so navigating mm. the nuances of how every person reacts to media or even the subjects covered. Like I gave like I gave Blonde a six. I think the movie is atrocious. I think that there are parts of it that were just like tragedy porn and really distasteful and a fetus talks to like shame people about losing babies. It's very bad. Mm -hmm. But technically, like, it is a good movie when it comes to filming it, when it comes to the sound design, when it comes to some of the things that Anna de Armas did as Marilyn. And mm -hmm. so when you have a movie like that, deciding what I have to give it is extremely hard. And so I would yeah. say, like, I like reviews. I think reviews are important. I think scoring is important to a point, but there is just a whole world of gray that goes into processing something and then writing about it and then mm -hmm. like reacting to it. Also, not everybody's 
score is the same as another person. Somebody seven may be really good and somebody seven may be baseline. Like with me, a seven means you did it. You did it. <laughs> yeah. You made it's, it. It's, a it's fine. Yeah. It's a C. Yeah. yeah, it's a C. Yeah. It gets a degree. I'm not going to tell you don't I mean, watch well, it. Well, that thing is like you give a movie an eight and what you're saying is that this is better than eight out of 10 movies. Yes, exactly. But people still see it and they're like, mm, just an eight. That's not very good. And it's, you know, it's kind of like how credit scores start at like 300 where like there is this invisible baseline that like everyone like lower than that is is mythically bad, you yeah. know? And then, so like, I, you know, where like when I look at movie reviews, if it's out of 10, and that's another thing we can talk about is that no one uses the same scale. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, if it's out of 10 and something is lower than three, I'm just like, this can't be real. Like this doesn't exist. Like three is probably my baseline where it's like anything lower than that is a myth to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so like, really I'm rating out of seven because those bottom three numbers are just like, it's a, a pit of hell that I'm, I've never been to. I've given one, one in my critic career. Same, but it was at mine was out of five. So mine was out of ten, and it was the Enter the Anime documentary on Netflix because it was the most mm. Orientalist, oh, crappy thing I have ever watched. What? Oh my god, cat! Yeah, it's, it's if you like anime and you watch that, you will see everything that is wrong. It's like a hour long promo for Netflix produced anime where it has like this girl who was definitely popular in high school and definitely shoved kids in lockers, and then like makes fun of the things that she is encountering in Japan. Anyway, that got a one. Outside of that, I like I think I gave Licorice Pizza a three. And I think that's like, And that that's one where it's like the technical that, execution but... and the performances I'm sure were there, but Yeah. Can, can, can I ask a question right now? Yes. This is, um so for you guys, like when you guys read reviews, do you guys start reading the review or do you guys look at the number and then read the reviews? Oh, that's a good question. Right? I actually right? I this is going to sound weird. I do look at the number first because that kind of informs me of what this person is thinking. Cause if someone starts off and is just like, yeah, like I like this, I like this, this didn't quite work, but I'm like, but you gave it a nine and that gives me context <laughs> for these comments. Yeah. Um, so I, I will sometimes look at the number first um, just to get a sense of it. Um, but I do also sometimes just read it. I wish I could remember what it is. I feel like there was actually a website that a few years ago was like, we're getting rid of number ratings, like period. Like yeah. we are still reviewing things, but we are just going to post the review with no official rating. Um, I kind of like that. Yeah, I think but, that I, I think that's I really interesting. Tough, it I is. I think it's kind of tough because I think like the was, I don't know how the rating system was like <laughs> existent to reality. But it seems like it's an, one of the easier ways for us as humans to kind of like organize thought and like you just, put see stuff the, in boxes. just see the number. We're like, okay, this yeah. is easy to comprehend. I'm gonna like, you know, consume it and adjust it and like and then actually read it. Yeah. But I think in doing that though, I think it kind of like discredits a little bit of like the writing part of it yeah. and like the, the experience does. of like reading and the journey of like reading through it, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's also where I think you lose a little bit, like when you get things like. Uh, review aggregators that yeah. are not really reading the text they are just pulling your number cool. and divorcing it from anything that you thought yeah and this isn't like a critics versus fans thing we've had that conversation oh before. no no no. yeah but i do think like that is what like because of the way aggregators exist and because they pull all the scores together and one score can impact something like i will find the person who gave paddington <laughs> two a negative review and ruined its 100 and i will i will fist fight them in a target <laughs> parking lot um but that's because i feel so bad for mr paddington but like that type of reaction like i say that as a joke there are some people who are unhinged and do actually feel these oh, yeah. things and review aggregators by putting us all into here and doing exactly what you said Catherine, it devalues the context and the writing as mm -hmm. to why something got rated that way like yeah when you sit back and you look, because a review is your thought process leading up to your score. It is explaining mm -hmm. the things you like, explaining the things you don't like, explaining, like, and diving into it. And sometimes, like, I know, I don't know if either of you have had this, but, like, I've had something that, like, I know is not necessarily, like, good. But it worked. And it worked because it embraced certain elements. Like, I just reviewed FUBAR. It's tech, like, I, it reminds me of, like, the old USA, like, 2000s, like, like, burn notice, white collar, like, those mm -hmm. types of things, like, that type of humor, that type mm -hmm. of extended class, cast, 
And because I have an affinity for that, I saw what it did and I was like, no, this is an eight for me. Like, this is better than mm -hmm. if you gave me a lineup of eight of ten Netflix shows, this is solidly better than eight of them. It is great. But then when you go onto an aggregator, you see that it is at a 50%, which means the majority of people did not agree with mm -hmm. me. They gave it a rod in. And now when you go and you look at the aggregator, because they've done what Catherine said, they've pulled it down into this number. People see me and I'm just, oh, that's the person that gave it an eight. And they don't see any of my words behind it. Or like, mm -hmm. oh, you gave it a per, uh, you gave it a fresh, but like 40 other people gave it a rod in. It forces critics into a space of being... I don't know, I guess like out, like outside of everything else. And it makes it really mm -hmm. easy to kind of pick us off in a way by completely devaluing everything that we like do and the work that we do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, circling back, Catherine, do you read the number first or do you read the review? Uh, mix, honestly. Mix, honestly. Okay. So, so here's here's a here's a wild thing. So, I actually like never really read reviews. Like, I never like actively read reviews. That's partly because like, and it's weird because I'm writing reviews now. But it's partly because like I always felt like when I had read reviews, they were kind of a little bit too like rigid in a certain way, and mm -hmm. it didn't sometimes didn't explain a lot to me of what I wanted to look for, and it was just like a lot of comparisons to other titles as opposed to just like talking about the actual mm -hmm. medium they're reviewing. And that's what I wanted to know about. So for me, I never truly ever like read a lot of reviews, but even having not done that, I still sometimes like just peruse through it and I, I do that. So it's a, it's a combination of like, I guess, number and, mm -hmm. yeah. but for me, if I look at the number, it's like, if it's a low number, I'll still read it. If it's a high number, I'll read it. And I see like, I'll make the contrasting like points of like yeah. why, and I'll just yeah. do that. And I think that's what those numbers do for our brains. Like if somebody puts a three on something, I'm going to read it because I want to know like why they like why is this garbage? Like yeah. what what did you experience to give this a three? And then if somebody says mm -hmm. it's a masterpiece, although like uh, like that's kind of I don't know that's a little bit more relative. I think I think I always read bad reviews, but I guess like even as much as I say that I don't like aggregators, I use them to figure out like oh yeah I'm yeah. gonna well, go I'm check Rotten Tomatoes real quick before I save money. I'm gonna check Metacritic <laughs> real quick before I spend money. Um, and, and I think there I is something from the numbers. There is something to the low reviews, though, because it, it often is like if someone feels so strongly that they're going to give something a low review, um, like you said, it's, well, why didn't you like it? Like, so if it's, you know, let's go with horror movies as an example. A lot of horror movies fumble the bag in the third act, mm -hmm. you know, like that's mm -hmm. just a thing. And so I've seen reviews where it's like a kind of like mid to low score and the review is not negative, but then it's like, but it sort of just falls apart at the end and makes the rest of the movie frustrating and unsatisfying. And I'm like cool now it makes sense why you gave this a five even though you said that it was good up to a point um because it's and at that point you're also they're value they're clearly evaluating it as a whole yeah mm -hmm. um and that's because that's the other question is i you always have to look at like what is this person actually reviewing yeah because i yeah. think it if i were to guess most reviews they, it is some blend of uh quality of work personal enjoyment and then a guess at how enjoyable it will be for the audience yeah. that you're reviewing to. Um, and it's so, you know, like we, people like to read it and be like, Oh, it's this game is a 10 out of 10. It's perfect. And it's like, no, this person's saying that they had a really good time with this game and it's well-made and they think you're going to have a good time with it too. Yeah. Like that's what a 10 actually means. I, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think too, like, I know IGN had made a tweet the other day that like people got mad at where they essentially said that, the reason they give so many sevens is because like there are thousands of games that come out in a year and the ones that they pick are the ones everybody is looking forward to because mm -hmm. those are the ones with more money, the bigger budget with all, you know, mm -hmm. X, Y, Z. And so you're kind of self-selecting into a better, like, I don't want to say a better score, but you're self-selecting something that you're probably going to vibe with more. And like as somebody who runs the review site at our site for both film and TV, like that is very much like, that is something that is done across the board because I'm not going to, like, if somebody hates rom-coms, why am I going to mm -hmm. make them review a rom-com? Yeah, like, not they're at going all. to give it a three because none of that works for them. Um, I'll still do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still watch it. <laughs> and it, and it, it all comes down to what lens are you going to go into it with and are you going to give it a chance? And I think that that's really important. And then you have some things that are just bad, no matter if you like it. But then you have stuff... Mm -hmm. 
that and this is what I want to bring up that I think reviews do a big disservice to. The culty movies. The movies that know mm. how atrociously made they are. And like some (laughs) (laughs) with smaller budgets, but yes. Well, you know, that's fair. Like a good Fast and the Furious movie is like a good like if you rate Fast and the Furious franchise, and one of those movies is the perfect one out of its franchise, that 10 is not the same 10 that Martin Scorsese's body of work gets. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the thing that needs to be understood when you do look at like numerical values because i think of all the time like whenever i say something that somebody doesn't like in a score they'll like go to my rotten tomatoes feed and they'll be like ha, oh, this bitch over here gave a turtles an eight and i was like yeah because it was different and it wasn't the same mcu stuff <laughs> yeah. and i enjoyed it but like it is understanding that there actually isn't a universal scale because every genre mm-hmm. has its own rules and lanes that it plays with. And if you do it that way, you're going to get a higher score against the genre itself. Now, you have films that are just good films across everything, and I think that that's fair to say. But I also think, like, uh, there was a movie, it was called Boar or something. It -hmm. was an atrocious Australian creature feature, but it was so fun to watch. Like, Mm. that is a value that I think gets lost when you look at reviews because we don't you're usually forcing somebody to see it one way or the other instead of letting them just judge it against everything else i don't know Catherine, yeah. what you what do you do for game reviews like when you're reviewing certain types of genres and uh stuff? well i i feel like for what i've been writing so far people think that i just love a certain genre of games but just i just happen to fall into those those categories mm-hmm. which is like cozy games <laughs> cozy games are fine but it's not like my go-to like like love. They actually like drive me completely bonkers. Like Stardew Valley is just like a shit show for me. I cannot handle that game. <laughs> I love that game. I cannot. There's too many tasks. It's not chill. <laughs> too many tasks. It's a lie. To-do lists are not cozy. <laughs> but so but I, I'll I write get about that. them. But I'll write about them because I I I look at games. Try to I try to look at them very objectively, and like because they're each like a body of work in their art, and there's a lot of people that work behind mm-hmm. it. So regardless of like the genre type, I'll go into that and like what they're what are they trying to do? Like what's their message or what they're trying to say or like what they're trying to give to the players. Which makes the whatever genre I don't like far more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Um so I just typically just do that. Like and it varies by so I'll I like recently I did or I have done like Mel Time, which is like a super cozy game. But then I did um what was the other one I did? Uh, Darkest Dungeon? Darkest Dungeon, which is the complete opposite. And that's like yeah. super like brutal and rough. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which I actually, that's kind of my genre actually. <laughs> um, and that's completely different messages. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, and I think that that's something that's really important is, yeah, evaluating, like you said, what is it actually trying to do and what is it supposed to be and how well does it do it? I think um, for me, with most of my journalistic experience being in horror, that's like, culturally something you see a lot where people if someone doesn't like horror movies they're never going to like a horror movie yeah and they're like they're all terrible they're and it's like no actually like it's it's pretty good for what it's trying to do like um great franchise for example would be the child's play series where it's like child's play is not necessarily great horror and it's not even necessarily great slasher but if you understand what it's trying to do it's great at what it's trying to do yeah yeah and then like even with that like like we have like the baseline genre, like horror, but then there's so many different types of horror within that. Mm-hmm. It's like exactly. subgenres, right? So it's I, I would elevated use horror. Yeah, I always use anime as like a ba- like a comparison. Like when someone says they don't like anime, there's so much anime. Oh, it's anime like you genres. don't like there's Dragon something. Ball Z. There's something, yeah. There's so there's something else Which for you. I, I do think, and this is probably, and and I think that that's a really good comparison because I know genre is a genre, but I also think that like at the end of the day. A genre is just a me like the medium is film, but a genre is doing that same storytelling element. Like mm-hmm. anime is just it's just Japanese animation. That's all it is. <laughs> they're animated shows. Like they're animated yeah. films. And in them there is a wealth of diversity in genre and story type and everything. And I, I do agree there, Catherine, where it's kind of like 
when everything is so large, you have to understand the bits and pieces of what the one thing is trying to do in that louder piece because it, it will mm-hmm. make a difference. Like, you can't go, you can't watch Devilman Crybaby and be like, well, this wasn't like My Hero Academia. No <laughs> crap. Of course it wasn't. It wasn't trying Wait, to Wait, is be. he not, is he not one of the students? Is Devilman, is it not a spinoff? <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think I'd watch that. that. I, I would too, actually. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of that also goes to like when we when we break down like I think the values of reviews and the values of long form writing has depreciated also as media literacy has gone down as well. I think that the less people try to understand things and just react to them, the less they're wanting to read somebody interpret a film or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is also, it's kind of like this intersection of what is happening with media where it's all becoming content and Mm -hmm. everybody just sees something, a small clip of it. And then that is their reaction. Like my mom the other day said, Oh, have you seen the guardians Guardians of the galaxy movie? I was like, yeah, I actually really liked it. She's like, Oh, that's good. I've watched so much of it on Instagram reels and it made me cry. I can't wait to see the whole thing, but I know it's good already. And I'm just like, that's not the same. That's, and that's not <laughs> yeah. the way to watch that. That's not the way to consume um, that. And it is one of those things where it is just like, as we've connected ourselves to other people and as we've connected ourselves to media i think instead of understanding it more we're just being fed by algorithms and pushed into algorithms where it is just give your hot take now don't consume anything beyond the picture you saw or the thread you saw and this is Mm -hmm. consuming media and that has led to the death of media literacy and that's leading to the death of reviews too yeah, it's. I, I think with the reviews, the thing that I keep coming back to is uh, Catherine's point about you know divorcing the number from and devaluing the writing, where context is so like there like uh, for example, American History X, for me, it's probably how do I put this? It's a one time ten, where like I'm glad I watched it. I do not crave to watch it again, and that's a very important context to have around me reviewing that film. Um, or there was a, a YouTuber that I used to watch review movies and he used his own five star scale, but each star had a description. And like, the only one I can remember is it's a good time if you're drunk. And it's like, okay, that tells me exactly what you thought of this movie. Like if I'm sitting around with my friends and we have a couple drinks, we will have fun watching this. And again, it's context and it's personal because I think there is this, um, sort of magical thinking about reviews that reviews are objective truth reviewing a piece of art and evaluating it completely and that's just not the case like it is it is impossible for it to not be personal when you review something um yeah yeah i think a lot of how when enter when the entertainment district arc for swordsmith village happened not not swordsmith for Demon Slayer, we're in Swords' Village now. When Entertainment District Arc happened in anime, there was a bunch of people online who were mad and said that the, the show was sexist because uh, the Hashira Uzui had three wives. And it's like, well, actually, within the context of the show, he loves those women and he loves them mm-hmm. all equally and they are important <laughs> to him. And this man changed his whole ass life for these women. Like, it, but it's because of those reaction things and like, like divorcing the score from the writing, not going for more nuance, not understanding why mm-hmm. something is the way it is. And I just, I'm, I'm scared because that's where it feels like we're just going repeatedly. And I, I mm. do work, wonder too, is kind of like on your point of like, it was a, it was a 10, but I'll only watch it once. I have a list of movies like that too. And it's like the movie Irreversible, it's a French film. It has a very brutal sexual assault scene that is extremely long and you have to watch it all. Um, That is a film that I do not recommend to people. That film is a 10 to me, but it is a film that I will never touch again. But it is a film that if I put on my Rotten Tomatoes page that I give a 10, somebody is going to think something about me because they've divorced all of my context for Mm -hmm. the movie from the 10 that I gave it. And yeah. I think that that is, that is something that we're seeing increase as movies do start, not start, but like as people start to engage more with social commentary in a more direct and sometimes hyperbolic way, where mm-hmm. they are equating something happening in a film with the writer 
and with endorsement and and as endorsement exactly and there are ways to say hey this movie actually is endorsing this thing and we should look at how you frame this or this movie is just showing a bad person do a bad thing but that's Mm -hmm. not the main purpose of the story and we're moving away from that and i think reviews it was a way to ground people Right? Like, if you went and you read a review about the film and it explained and unpacked why that wasn't a bad choice, that could inform your decision making. But people just yeah. look at the scores now. Mm-hmm. They don't look you at shouldn't, why. You shouldn't need to clarify, like, to go to go with the, the often misunderstood or, or mis-idolized uh, character of, like, Walter White in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Reviewers should not have to be like, he's a great character not a great person. Exactly. But I feel like people yeah. need that clarification where it's like, well, you gave it five out of five, like, I guess you love meth dealers. I, I, you know, where it's like that's not what that person was saying. That's such a weird like a connection to make too. Whatever, like I hear that kind of like correlation. I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> How did like you there, get here? there are there are characters that I love because I despise them. You know? Yeah. yeah. Antiheroes are like they're a thing. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I, do you all think that there's a way we can walk back from this? Like. Well, so I, I wanted to ask real quick, and I think this will segue into that. Um, what is your preferred rating system? And like, the, you know, being one to five, one to 10 decimal points, A to F um, percentages, like what clicks for you when you're looking at reviews? Catherine, you can go first. I need to think. Oh, God. <laughs> um, what clicks for me when I look at reviews or when I rate them? Uh, I, I guess both. Yeah, just like what's your what's your preferred system to work in? Um, so it's tough because like I, I actually I just don't like like putting numbers because like every time I write mm-hmm. a review, I always feel really weird about putting in like a number on it because I feel that's what people just look at is just like the number. Yeah, and because there's like I've given like I haven't given like a low rating because I haven't written that long. Um. But like by like for me, a seven is like like what Kate says, probably like, oh, this is this is a doable this passes. Six is kind of like it is lacking something to me, like either in the story or it's like there's no true direction, I mm-hmm. felt like. Um, but I yeah, I I think about the rating after I write. Not during, okay. if that if that makes sense. I don't gotcha. know if that's yeah, yeah, yeah. is that is that normal to do? No, I, I get that. We're all I'll kind of I, I've done it from both sides where I'll do the writing and then I'll reread my review and be like, so what score is this? Um, but other times I just know I'm like, I watched that movie. That was a six and a half. And then I'm like, now how yeah. do I articulate that it was a six and a half? Because that means I have to give praise, but I also have yeah. to have a moderate amount of criticism to warrant bringing that score down. Um, yeah. I so yeah, I have like an idea when like, I'm watching or playing yeah. something like I already get a vibe of like, this is probably mm-hmm. going to be like a seven or an eight. Um, and then I'll write it, but as I, whatever, it's not hitting a 10, which for me, I think 10s don't exist. Yeah. Controversial, I'm sorry. No, that, <laughs> tens that, don't that, exist. That's, that's how Matt is. Matt doesn't believe Tens don't exist, exists. rare. The closest thing to like a 10 that I played in, in a game was probably Celeste, mm-hmm. which, is a, which is a really good, really good game, good platformer. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll have to like assess what it is that is like slightly lacking that has made oh, it like yeah. that that didn't hit the mark to for mm-hmm. to be ten. That's you sort of you you talk yourself into the score as you're writing because you'll go oh, in yeah. thinking like this is a seven, and then as you're thinking about the good parts of it, you're like, is this a seven and a half? Like, did I go too low? Do I need to bump this up a little bit? Or or you start realizing all the things that annoyed you about a game or something, and you're like, oh, never mind. I said I said seven, and this is a solid six. Um, but yeah, I feel like for me, what I want in terms of a scale is like, I want it to be as accurate as possible, which is like a percentage, but I feel like no one does percentages. Yeah. Um, cause what I hate I mean, is, yeah. I hate rounding my score, yeah. you know, too. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm having to round it down Yeah. where it's like, Oh, this is actually like, this game is like a 7.8, but we're only using a, a half decimal system. So I have to give it a 7.5 or decide if I want to put it up to an eight or, you know, whatever. Um, that's not how that, rounding works, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 the half marker is hard because it's like the the point does a lot because like yeah. a six is completely different from a six point five. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the same as when you see something in the store for nine ninety nine instead of the ten dollars that it <laughs> yeah. actually is. Where like, like you mm-hmm. feel like you're underselling it to not give it the full eight. Yeah. 
No, I think um, it's weird running a site and running our scoring. Like we added review boxes at the end of everything because we know people they just want to get to the score. I was um, like, they want the blurb and the number. For comics, we for comics and books, we rate them out of a five out of five. Um, movies, games, TV, because there is so much meat to them, we decided to give them a, out of a ten just because a five didn't feel sufficient enough to get, you know, mm-hmm. granular. And then we added the point five because that didn't feel yeah. sufficient enough. And it's really hard because I have to abide by these things because we have to have consistency. Metacritic requires a score. Um, mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes just requires you to say if it was good or not. Um, but because our site goes on both, we had to standardize it with numbers. Mm-hmm. And all that is to say that I personally just don't know what I prefer. Because there are some days yeah. where I would just want to say, yeah, buy it or don't buy it. Well, so, okay, so that's what I, I was... want to be like, I'm completely neutral on this thing. Like, I am <laughs> apathetic. I feel no way no strong feelings one way or the other take it or leave it yeah yeah and i I, because i don't think numbers ever help that like there is an entire swath of media that is in the middle and Mm -hmm. numbers does not help the in the middle group yeah and And you can't even say like you'll like this if you liked xyz because it's like well but why did you like xyz exactly because it's different like i somebody recommended the belco experiment after watching mayhem and i was like but those are fundamentally two different movies like other than yeah. people killing each other in an office setting they are completely different mm-hmm. movies and i think like it, it's just hard and i don't have an answer even though i like yeah. run a site but i will say what what i do do as a writer i will write something and then i will send it i will like i'll put it in our channel to turn it into editors and i will mm. just write say like hey I don't know what to rate this. Can yeah, tell tell me rating? what number. Or like, I gave it a seven. I don't know if it should be higher or lower. And I kind of just put it on the editorial team to read it and say, okay, yeah, Kate, this actually does sound like mm-hmm. a seven. Or no, actually, you okay. gave no critique. Like, this should be higher. This should be a nine. Yeah. Um, just because there's some things, like, I just don't know what to do with. And I think when you're in it, Especially because, like, I'm fine with any rating system so long as I have long enough time to sit with the thing to decide what I want. Yeah. Because yeah. Marvel embargoes, if you're not in L.A., are the next morning. So you have to write it that night. There are so many movies where it is just, like, a quick turnaround. And so you don't actually get to sit with something and give it a thoughtful mm-hmm. number. You just have to hope that you don't have rose-colored glasses on and yeah. you're rating it too high. Or the opposite, it didn't click with you the first time, but it was really good the second. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, so to go back to your question of how do we how do we step back from this? How do we roll it back? I have I have two ideas. One of them I wrote down in the show notes sort of as a joke, but the more I think about it, I'm like, that might be the, right. Is did we peak with rating with the Siskel and Ebert thumbs system of like two thumbs up, two thumbs down? Like here's two dudes with vaguely opposing <laughs> views. And like, if they both dig it, it's probably good. And if they both hate it, it's probably bad. Like, was that the best? Like, do we just go to a yes or no, like do it or don't do it rating system? Is that is simplifying how you walk back from it? Because then that seven that you meant positively, no one can argue that you meant it positively because at the end of the day, you said yes. That's tough. Cause, yeah, because I like when when Netflix turned to a thumbs up, thumbs down system, I hated that initially. Um, like I, you know, it's fine. It's whatever. But like at first I was like, no, I I don't want to just say that this I enjoyed as much as I enjoyed this, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So like that's one option. The other idea, and I don't know that this would work, is uh, tier lists. Like I know that that's kind of like a meme thing to do, but part of me is like, oh yeah, saying like that was an A tier movie, that was a B tier movie, like that might click a little bit better, at least in the context of if you're following a site or a writer. Yeah. Then, you know, just somebody saying this was, because like we talked about, like all of this comes down to that writer's seven is not this writer's seven. So I guess maybe tier lists are also flawed. Kate, I don't know that we can walk back from this. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think we're just too deep. <laughs> we're too deep we're too in the whole Catherine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like the it's not a perfect system. I think we all kind of like agree agree to that. Yeah, where we're at right now, but it disgustingly works for yeah. the purpose of like how it reads for people and like because mm-hmm. like kind of going back to what we talked about earlier with the whole like decision fatigue, that kind of helps, I guess, 
process that a little bit more to have a quick number that just tells them yes, no, without telling them yes or no. Uh, mm -hmm. Because again, like everyone has their own standards of like what a seven is. And for that applies also to readers as well. For them, a seven is probably like a no. So they won't go, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, kind of makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like you, you almost just need to find the reviewers that you can trust. And that, cause I, I think the other thing that we've been hitting on constantly, this whole thing is that like everyone uses their own system, even if they're using the same numbers at the end where how you weight it, what you're even considering, all that stuff is like the, the math equation for each person is its own chalkboard for like trying to get to what they think it is. Um, where it's like, am I, do I weight the frame rate of a video game at all when I review a video game? Like for me personally, as long as it's not stuttering, no. Like I, I don't have like this weird, like if it's not 60 FPS, it can go die. Um, but there are other reviewers who are like, this can't even hit 60 FPS. That's like a point off the top immediately. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's all so complicated and, and full. Um, and like, I think, yeah, that, that is sort of why, like a part of why we're in too deep. Like you were saying, like yeah. it just sort of is the system that we have. So like for you guys that like have read reviews for like a while, like and go to certain people, what, how did you guys build that? Like, I guess trust or source to like i'm gonna go to this site or this writer to read the reviews like what mm. like did the click for you guys to get deep into that i think it's understanding who you usually agree with um so like if i watch a movie and i give it a certain score and then i notice that there is another reviewer who's giving mm -hmm. the similar scores that i am to the genre then i'm like okay cool we're pretty aligned so it's kind of like, because reviews are subjective at the end of the day. Like they yeah. are one person's individual opinion on a thing. And so it's yeah. finding whose opinion you usually trust. And so with me, like I just go and try to like, oh, another critic also liked the thing that I liked. And we're the two people who actually liked it around in tomatoes. I'm going to go look at their <laughs> stuff. Yep. Um, and I think that that's really how it is. And that's how I would recommend like most people do it too, because like, reviews are subjective find the people you like and keep reading them find mm -hmm. the find the sites you like with the with yeah. specific editorial processes and keep reading them yeah i think it's uh read reviews of things you've already played or listened to or watched and like you'll get a sense of like oh this person was on the same page as me um the friday the site that i uh do horror stuff for like it's to the point where like if a screener comes up, our editor can look at it and be like, mm, this probably wouldn't be one to give to Alex. Like I know his taste. This is not it. Um, I know what he, you know, values in film. And I feel like you just have to do that as, as the reader where um, sometimes you have to like not trust the review. Maybe like if you haven't seen a movie yet and someone gave it like a six, you can go watch the movie for yourself and be like, was that six justified? Um, and I, yeah, I think a lot of it is like, it's homework, but it is like, Kate was saying, it's that like comparison and that, you know, trying to see what they thought of other things. Um, but like, once you find it, it's great. And it's a good, um, it's a shorthand, I think eventually for whether or not you should bother with something, you know, be it a game or a movie. And, um, and it's also not always foolproof. Like there are, are games that have like clicked in my brain in a way that I didn't know they would. And then my friends who enjoy very similar games are like, yeah, I have no desire to ever play that. Like that game does not appeal to me at all. And it's like, okay, so I can't fully trust this. Um, I think also part of it is like, be your own critic is how I would encourage people is like, you know, like reviews are super helpful, especially like Kate said, if it's about spending money. Yeah. But also there is mm -hmm. something to like, it's okay to have your own opinion. Like it's, I try to not look at reviews for, for some things until after I've done it myself because I don't want to be steered into thinking that a movie is, you know, bad or whatever, or that a TV show isn't enjoyable um, because I read reviews by people who didn't enjoy it. But like, again, all of the context, all of the personal part of it and all that, it's like, well, maybe they didn't like it for reasons that don't affect me. Um, yeah. It's messy. Yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Catherine, do you have any, any other thoughts or do you, do you have any advice on how to find those reviewers? Like, have you, have uh, you found some that you like? Um, honestly, I just had to do a, a swab. I have no, like, specific, like, thing. I'll read some, like, the larger publication, our publication as well, obviously. <laughs> um. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I just kind of, like, get a feel, like, as a, as a general vibe. Like, what the, 
I try to analyze it from like what is the thing that people take away from it initially, like from all writers from mm-hmm. different stances. Um, I just do that, so I have like no specific affinity with any specific yeah. one. All right. Know? Well, I think that uh, that does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like what we're doing, um, please um, subscribe to the podcast, review us on iTunes. That always helps. Um, you know, retweets, uh, any engagement, positive, negative, like we'll take it. We want to talk about pop culture. We want to talk about movies, games, books, music, comics, all that stuff. So come find us online. We'll be happy to talk to you. Um, and you can also go on over to our Patreon. Um, if you really like what we're doing, you can kick us a little bit of money so that we can keep doing what we're doing. Cause we like doing this. We hope that you like it. Um, and yeah, that's how we keep things moving along. You can find the site at But Why Though PC. I'm your host, Alex. You can find me on Twitter at Most Always Alex. Uh, Catherine, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Keiko Parsons, K E I K O Parsons underscore, and Keiko Parsons in other spaces of the internet. All right. And Kate? Yeah. You can find me at Oh My Myth Randier on literally everything. Come and bug me. <laughs> Don't bug me. All right. Very good. Cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> While we're talking about reviews, I forgot. Is there any review that you want to plug? Any any content you want to recommend? Oh, yeah. Fubar. Fubar, Fubar, Fubar. It's out on Netflix. My review's an 8 out of 10. Other people hate it. I loved it. It's fine. It's like, I don't like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I loved him in that show. That should tell you how good it is. My former governor? Oh. For me, Darkest Dungeon 2 is actually pretty good. Controversial because it was like a... Because people are comparing a lot to the first one, which uh, I think two is a lot more fully fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Challenging the same, but still deliciously challenging. All right. Yeah. Uh, and for me, as no surprise, Tears of the Kingdom. I have spent way <laughs> too much time in that game already. Um, or I, Sorry, the full title, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 Tears of the Kingdom, is how I think about it in my head. Because Nintendo made the dumb mistake of not giving us the title for multiple years where we could call it nothing but breath of the wild sequel and breath of the wild two. Um, but yeah, it's, it's such a fun game. The physics are great. The puzzles are great. Um, the exploration is great. Just cannot recommend that enough. I haven't written a review for it or anything, but like go check it out. It's a good time. Um, and that is all for this week, but we will see you around next time. Mm-hmm.